Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. This is episode 155, and it's the issue I've been waiting for. I do not believe it is. It is not. It is West Coast Avengers number 25 from October 1987. It's brought to us by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram, as always. Right? Yes. And it is called... The Greatest Show on Earth, because it's about Wonder Man. Yeah, it's very much a Wonder Man-centric issue if i'm not mistaken i read this weeks ago so i don't remember i feel like this is two different issues like it starts out about something and then by the end of the issue it's something else i mean it starts at about wonder man being a jerk and by the end of the movie issue, thing but then at the end of the issue he's fighting the abomination right yeah he comes to the movie set so this isn't weird like why would the abomination show up so they could have a fight that's stupid who else is he gonna fight i mean it's right on that cover do you want to see the entire do you want the entire issue to be him fighting with his director kind of <laughs> the characters are much more interesting. Basically, we start out with Wonder Man doing press for, I guess, for his movies, flying around on a movie set. As, um, uh, no, this is oh, no, this is ar- at the premiere. Flying around doing press for for his premiere. He's putting on a stunt show before the premiere starts, as you do, and just obliterating dudes that are flying around in jetpacks. That seems safe. This is the movie that they've been talking about quite a bit in the West Coast Avengers comic. It is Archon Four: The Goblin Pit. Starring Wonder Man and Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I think is hilarious that I, uh, Wonder Man's first starring movie is is the third sequel to some other movie. Ba- yeah, it's basically like starring in the Scorpion King. If right? you're The Rock, I think we're all happy because the most important thing that we find this issue that we found out in the first page is that Wonder Man has a new costume. Thank goodness, it is not hideous. I don't know that it's great, but it is not hideous. It's better. It's a black jumpsuit with some red on it, and then he wears uh, a red jacket over top of it when he's not fighting. It looks fine. His haircut's horrible. His haircut is very bad. It's like a helmet mullet. And then after he does this little show outside, they go into the theater and they watch the the movie, which is what you do at a premiere. And he's the bad guy. Yes, he is the bad guy. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Archon. It's, you know, not that interesting. It's not. And we uh, immediately jump over to the West Coast Avengers compound. Is where... his director Italian? Yes. Okay. Because there's some very poorly it, written dialogue. I was going to say, is it difficult to tell? It, because uh, the dialogue is so stereotypically, uh, that's a spicy meatball. Yeah, it was. some of it was difficult to read because I was trying, is that a word? Oh, it's supposed to sound like a accented word somewhere uh mario and luigi are like dude tone it down hey it's a me i'm the director (laughs) anyway back at the west coast avengers compound hawkeye and mockingbird are hanging out in the hot tub yeah this seems gratuitous it's important for one reason hawkeye is basically trying to talk to her about her time being captive of the phantom rider and she flat out lies to him says that the phantom rider never touched her and uh, that he then killed himself. Yep. And I do not understand why she is lying to him. Why she won't just be honest with him. It, I don't know that this is the healthiest of marriages. No, and it doesn't make sense because she, at this point, the Phantom Rider is dead and he's 200 years in the past. Yeah. So she could have just been like, yeah, I was horrible. Yeah. Was, and then he would be, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And they'd move on. Yep. <laughs> and like, it's not going to hold a grudge that some guy raped her or something like yeah, who What's can he, he supposed to do about it? <laughs> exactly. He can be mad at a guy that died two or a hundred and some years ago, but he can only be mad at him. Is he going to be mad at her for and, letting it happen? I exactly. And I think, again, we talked about this before, but I think if she told him, by the way, you know, he touched me where he shouldn't have, Hawkeye would be like, damn straight, you should have killed him. 
Yeah. He should be dead. Right. I'd kill him if you didn't. And who's going to try you for it? It was 150 years ago. Exactly. So it's the the whole thing is frustrating and it's going to set up a plot line that's going to annoy the crap out of me for the next however many issues. Also on the West Coast Avengers compound, Tony Stark goes to talk to Wonder Man, but Wonder Man's not at home, which we know. So why are those two panels there? I think it's to point out that, I, hey, Iron Man realizes that they need to squash their beef. But he seems to be thinking, well, I'm the senior member, so I'm going to be the one who comes out on top in this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go knock on your door. Oh, yes, here. So we're back to the movie thing. The movie's over. There's an idiot in bad sunglasses. Who is that guy? Is that his... Uh... That's the guy that... Oh, that's the guy that came to the compound before. Yeah. The director's assistant. You can tell that this is the 80s because Wonder Man's jacket has got some hella shoulder pads in it. Forget a da Oscar, you get a Dino. Yeah, his his director. I just can't with his director. <laughs> no, no, Menachem. Data guys are going to go places in a dis town. This is the worst. Luckily, we don't have to stay there too long. No. Yay, we get to see Moon Knight. Moon Knight's hanging out with Frenchie. Is Moon Knight's helicopter just always hovering over his house? <laughs> Hey, where do you park that thing? It's such a weird shape. This is just a, an opportunity for Moon Knight to talk to Frenchie and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to stick with the West Coast Avengers for a while so you can go back to New York. You don't have to hover over Avengers Compound for the next 20 issues. Is it, is it overkill that there's a panel in here where Moon Knight explains that the estate's defenses would have taken out his helicopter, but Hawkeye loaned him a deactivator while he's on campus? I feel like this is something that happened a lot with... I feel like especially with writers in the 60s that came from the 60s and the 70s is they felt a need to explain things that we really don't need explained. Are they are they like gun shy from getting letters from people that they're like, okay, I got to make sure because someone's going to write to me about this. Well, that's what it is. They, they remind me of people now, you know, that are like, if, if you and I make a mistake, we have to be careful. Someone will add us on Twitter. I mean, I feel like that's, that's, what, the, that's what the writers felt like. They just felt they would get nasty letters. And they end up overwriting things. Yes, very much so. Mm. But that's it. That's all it is. It's a chance for Moon Knight to speak some French. Hey, Frenchie, remember that guy? Yes. And now we're back to Simon. He looks like a he looks like Teen Wolf. What is with that hairdo? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Actually, it's not Teen Wolf. I'm sorry. It looks like Eddie Munster. Where is he going? He's going to an after party. I Oh no, he's going to do Johnny Carson. Oh. He's doing the Johnny Carson show. Kids, ask your parents. Uh Johnny Carson hosted the Tonight Show before uh Jay Leno did before oh my gosh, what's the redhead guy's name? Conan O'Brien did before Jimmy Fallon did. So, in any case... Oh, man, this is going to give me whiplash. So, we saw Moon Knight for a couple pages, and now we're going to go to Wonder Man for one more page so we can keep update on what he's doing. But then, we're going to cut to Pym and Esperita. And Dr. Pym is already in this damn red jumpsuit. We, I've talked about how much I enjoyed him in the lab coat, and maybe not the scarf and the, and the hat, but certainly the lab coat. But <laughs> well, It we lasted now, like one issue, didn't it? <laughs> we now get what really makes a lot more sense, which is Dr. Pym wearing a, a jumpsuit with a ton of... Rob Liefeld designed it. Yeah, it's got so many pockets and pouches. He's the one character that the pockets and pouches actually make sense for. Because, I mean, he carries a lot of stuff with him. And the shoulder pads. Apparently there's stuff stuffed in there, too. <laughs> but, yeah, basically Dr. Pym goes to talk to Esperita and be like... I love you. And she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. He says, I don't love you. Yeah, he's like, you know... I thought we were going to, like, hook up or something. She's like, no, you weirdo. She's like, I don't want to hook up with you either. <laughs> They're just friends. And then they kiss. Because that makes sense. And then back to Wonder Man. And then we never see Esperita again. <laughs> Not as Esperita. <laughs> back at the Tonight Show. Oh, right. Yeah, here's the thing. 
Simon Williams gets done with his with his uh, time on the Tonight Show just in time for a supervillain to pop up. Yep, there he is. There's Abomination just stomping onto a movie or a TV set in California. It's not actually the Abomination. No. It's actually Tyrannus. We're going to talk about both of them a little bit. Tyrannus first appeared in Incredible Hulk number 5 in January of 1963, created by Lee and Kirby. I'm sorry. I read it so long ago, I totally forgot it wasn't the Abomination. Tyrannus was born back in the time of Camelot. Oh. And he did bad things in Camelot, and they exiled him underground to Subterranea. Oh, I'm sorry, he tried to conquer Britain. That's why he got exiled to Subterranea. Basically, he got exiled underground, where he found a pool of everlasting youth, which is why he's still alive a millennia later. Yes, he bestrode the world 15 centuries ago. Come on. In the modern era, he decides he's going to conquer the world, of course, starting out fighting the Hulk. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hulk was probably confused. In one of his many plots against the Hulk, he merges with some flame and loses his body, and then his mind gets cast out into space, where it takes over the body of the Abomination. I'm not going to go into as much detail with the Abomination, but he's a Hulk villain. So it is the Abomination. Kind of, but it's Tyrannus' mind and the Abomination's body. So the Abomination is Emil Blonsky. He's a Russian spy who is trying to figure out how Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk, because the Soviets want a Hulk as well. He figures it out and basically gets the powers of the Hulk and gets a big, green, ugly body of his own with basically Hulk powers, except he retains his intelligence. So unlike the Hulk, he doesn't get stronger as he gets madder. Does he ever turn back into Emil Blonsky or is he yes, always he does. the abomination? Okay. So at some point in time, Emil Blonsky's <laughs> really dragging this out. abomination gets shot into space. Oh, please his, stop talking. <laughs> his mind gets pulled out of his body, and that's when Tyrannus takes it over. So uh, right now what you have is Tyrannus, who is a classically handsome blonde man stuck in the body yeah. of a hulking green monstrosity. I, I was just going to say, I love how when he first storms on here, people are running going, ah, it's the Abomination. And he says, I'm not the Abomination. I am Tyrannus, blonde and handsome. You are not, dude. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Basically, the Abomination seems to be picking on Wonder Man because he's upset that he's no longer as pretty as Wonder Man is. And it's not fair that Wonder Man gets to get a movie deal while he's stuck in this ugly form. Was he looking for a movie deal? <laughs> not to the best of my knowledge. He says, if I cannot rule in glory, then neither will you. I'm like, I don't think he's tr- Wonder Man's trying to rule in glory. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. In any case, it sets off a fight. Did what? he think he was his movie character? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm so confused as to what the Abomination's motivation is shall we say, not well thought out. Mm-hmm. It's just an excuse for Wonder Man to fight somebody strong. Right. And just crash through the set and, hey, look, David Letterman's in L.A. this week. Yep. We know it's David Letterman because he makes a reference to stupid pet tricks. Yes, and he calls him David. I mean, it's just a fight. The two of them uh, fight through the... Fight, through the fight, 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 fight. Fight, fight. Wonder Man's got a black eye. It's swelled up really well. Eventually, Wonder Man knocks out the Abomination and is upset because they didn't tape it because everyone assumed that this was another staged publicity stunt. Right. I'm not sure why... Does Simon expect someone to record every time he does something ever? Maybe he does. Like, the movie premiere's already over. Who cares if you fought somebody now and they didn't record it? Isn't that your job? It is. And then Wonder Man goes back to the compound where Hawkeye and Mockingbird are still... Oh, no, they were in the hot tub. Yeah, they're in a sauna now. Now they're in a sauna where he basically tells them, I've realized that the Avengers, being a part of the Avengers is important. That's real. Being a movie star isn't. I'm sorry. Actually, I don't think he really says I'm sorry for being a jerk. He just says, I'm committed to the Avengers. And that's it. So 
I need to point out that we we switch the order of things here because this issue is technically the first appearance of Wonder Man's new costume. But this issue takes place after the annual that we're supposed to read. Yeah, I told because you. Because the last page here, Hawkeye makes a comment about having to fight, never thinking he'd have to fight the swordsman again. I would like to point out that I originally had them in the correct order yeah, and yeah, you yeah. wanted to switch them. It doesn't really matter. This, this is weird. This is one of it's those... just weird that the time didn't match up with the costume. This is one of those weird things where... And it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's not... difficult to say exactly when the, the two annuals that we're going to be talking about next week and this issue happen. Technically, the annuals happen first. I guess they're the first appearance of Simon's new costume. But, you know, they pretty much are all happening close to the same time. Well, I feel... And the only reason it's important, the only reason it's, the only reason we know the annuals happen first is because they're referenced a couple of times in this in this issue. And it wouldn't have made a difference if we either one we would have done first, except that in this issue of West Coast Avengers, his stupid Italian director points out that he has a new costume. Because he says, That's a greatest Simone. You see, nobody I remember already that a Christmas tree costume. That's why we read this first, just so I could say that out loud. <laughs> Wonderful. Do we want to do, uh, do we do letters? Oh, are there, I don't, see, I don't have the issue, so oh. you'll have to tell me about Marks or Marks and Letters. I completely forgot about Ew. it. Ooh, let me, let me peruse here quietly, and you can cut this part out. Okay, so Marks for Marks is basically saying there's a lot of readers out there and every reader has their thought about what makes up a good Marvel comic. And then the last paragraph says, all of which leads us to Wonder Man's costume. About 90% of our correspondents clearly stated they did not like Simon Williams' new look. You, the real editors of the book, were pretty clear about that. So the first opportunity we got, we changed his costume again. Back to something on the order of the majority of you profess to prefer a jacket, black tank top, and tights. You know, it's a good point because they probably... I'm sure that the mail came in pretty strong after that first issue with that new costume. I Unfortunately, Steven, Steve Engelhardt stuck them in like an eight-part storyline. <laughs> so the costume, they couldn't change it in the middle of the storyline. So they were stuck with it for that long. It's funny when you think about it, his costume's history because he started out in that green and red and yellow bizarre-looking yeah. thing. And then he had switched to the black with the red jacket and then back to a green and red thing yeah. again. Is he pretty much keeps with this thing for this general color scheme seems to be yeah. where he goes there for the for the for, forever I guess I think he does something different with the neckline at some point yeah there's some minor changes but I don't think he does he never again goes for a full costume re overhaul mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. letters there's a letter from Larry King oh, oh I'm sorry really? it's Larry J King from Vermont who has praise for the Pimmobile. You mean Rover? Yeah, he said he actually says, "Thank goodness you named his vehicle Rover instead of the Pimmobile, which sounds incredibly trite." I kind of like the Pimmobile. Do we ever see Rover again? I don't remember. Yeah, he'll show up once. <laughs> he shows up a little bit. They never use him much, but he shows up. And the next one says that they like the new Doctor Pim. They suspected they'd make him a superhero again with a new costume, a new name, and all that. But what you have done to him is unbelievable, better than anything else. They wrote that before they saw the jumpsuit. <laughs> the next letter is glad that Moon Knight is back. There's not really anything that anyone brings up that's very important. There's a really long letter from England about Pym and how he's redeemed himself. And Wow, people are really talking about Pym. Yeah, they're calling it the, the rebirth of Henry Pym. The last letter on here from a Doug Tennant talks about uh, how Marvel Comics handles religion. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Say that's very tactfully and never in a sacrilegious way. They're they're mentioning the appearance of La Esperita. Sure. They said over the years, uh, readers have seen various portrayals of Satan, numerous devils and demons beyond number, as well as a handful of bogus ministers who are truly evil and not followers of God. Why then should there be a truly Christian superheroes? Christianity is widespread and thriving. So in the vast Marvel universe, why not a devout Christian or two? I, I would argue that generally neither comic, neither DC or Marvel really handle handle religion at all. I mean, I certainly have no problem with Esperita being a, a devout Christian, but I think it's unusual. They say they like the way Marvel handles it. I think Marvel mostly handles it by ignoring it. Well, he says he was a little uncomfortable with the Norse gods until an issue of the Avengers when Thor respectfully removed his helmet when entering a convent, proclaiming that not even Odin claimed supreme divinity. Well, I mean, that makes I sense. I don't, don't recall that specific issue. I, I would be willing to bet... Do you know what I think it was? It was probably during the during the Korvac saga when they go, when uh, the Scarlet Witch gets captured by the Ultron and taken to a, a robot nun. Oh, I forgot about that. Weird. That's my best. That's the only one yeah. I can think of. Huh. Interesting. So this know. guy was, this guy seems very um, touchy about religion. I feel like neither company really wants to deal with it too much. Every once in a while it'll come up, but it's it's a topic that they generally don't touch and i don't necessarily blame them no i don't it's one of those things that you're not really supposed to bring up the only time you ever really hear about it is you know if you're a church-going person or if some politician is spouting off about something and day-to-day stuff it's whatever there's people that are religious and people that aren't whatever and esperita really never gets much of a chance to she never gets much of a chance as a character we don't really see her much and when we do see her she's back to being firebird and and my memory she doesn't really ever mention religion again i mean they've done a couple issues well we do have that eight part saga with her family bible (laughs) (laughs) they do i mean in in the i guess in the Maybe 1990s, but definitely the aughts. They've talked about Ben Grimm being Jewish, yeah. and they've done some, and of course, uh, the new Miss Marvel, who is Muslim. But generally, they just don't talk about religion. Yeah, which is fine. Again, I, I don't. I feel like the, not to disparage the character because I think she's great, but I feel like they did the Muslim thing as like a response to what was going on in the world too. Just to kind of go, hey, there's everybody here, and everybody needs to be here, and let's in- be inclusive. And when you read most of Ms. Marvel's comics the really the, the 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 muslim her religion is not a huge part of those comics no it just plays a part in the family thing and like yeah her dad being disappointed that she's not around or not taking part in some things and yeah it adds another dimension but it's not in your face no it's not I, we're just babbling at this point because yeah. we're trying to drag this out because it's only 20 minutes long <laughs> but that's fine because the last two episodes were long and next episode's going to be long because next episode we're handling both of the avengers annuals for this year because it's crazy it's 600 pages they tell uh, one complete story just like they did last year i mean mm. quote unquote story <laughs> sure i guess it has a beginning and an end so i don't care if this is short less editing for john all right let's get out of here then thanks for listening everyone if you want to get in touch with us our email address is avenginghour at gmail.com you can find us on facebook and instagram at avenginghour that's it thanks bye-bye